Podcast. This is episode 20, and, or 20, no, 22, sorry. Episode 22. Uh, Jim Reamer, as always, joined by Zach Tyler from uh, Northern Indiana, helps cover the state, that part of the state for us. Zach, how was your week? Uh, good week again. Uh, counting down to school here, finally. Uh, in person, maybe, but we'll, we'll find out soon, hopefully. Yeah, this seems to be our one shot at really updating COVID stuff. What's What's your school doing and, I'll, and then I can tell you a little bit about what Carmel's doing. Yeah, so so far we haven't we haven't just decided on a plan yet. We have the okay. three op, the three options of all in, all out or some kind of something in between. So Yeah. That's um obviously I think most school systems will will be pretty pliable uh, based on information in real time, you know, and and Right. I think they showed how quickly they can turn on a dime uh, back in March when we they, it was basically forced upon them, at, you know, with, with zero preparation. I, I think no matter what happens, it'll be more smooth than more. It'll be more smoothly than what happened in the spring. And, and that's through no fault of anybody's really. But yeah. Carmel, Carmel um, is going with, it seems like they're going to go with an alternative schedule of they go one day, they'll go, they have like a blue gold calendar. So they have block scheduling, which I think works real well with this. And yeah, definitely. Evidently they're gonna they're gonna go one day on, one day off, and then Friday there's no school. And the one day on or the one day off will be e learning. And they're gonna go a, a block of time with their blue schedule and then a block of time with their gold schedule. And I did not should have asked, but didn't really plan on this being too big of a anything we would talk about, but <laughs> But um, just casually conversation, casual conversation with some of the kids I coach, um, they made it sound like they may end up having just one part of their schedule for like almost like a nine week period. Okay. And and then they'll transition to their like they'll be their blue day will be like a nine week period, and then their gold day will be a nine week period. I that was the gist of it that I got, and not having kids, um, I've not kept too up to date on that, but it is interesting how each school system is going to tackle it. And, yeah, for and, sure. You know, I think even North Central has decided they're going to be e-learning at least until September. And that's just one school system south of us here. And I think that's a responsible way to go. Um, but I know it's, it's a curiosity with me. And um, of course, when you've got, president using his bully pulpit to try to mandate that schools be open or he's going to withhold funding. It's, yeah. We want to get too political with it. Um, I think that's crazy, but, but at the same time, I'm not up for reelection. <laughs> okay. I'm more worried about people's safety and, and really teacher safety because teachers are the ones that are, this is being opposed upon. And, and, um, you know, I, I feel badly for them because they're having to choose their job over health. And some of these kids, some of these families are afraid. So um, they they have a, just enough fear of the situation that it's that it's trouble. And I know some families here that are going to definitely um, 
either homeschool or, or just strictly com- commit to e-learning. Um, yeah, same. And, uh, and as, as long as the district will allow it to happen. So anyway, um, that's it. Let's move on. Let's get to basketball. We yeah. uh, Every week we go over uh, updating the, uh, the, 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 the most recent week's offers and commitments. And we had a big commitment this week, uh, at least in terms of name. And uh, but, but go on with it, Zach. Let's uh, get us up to date on the offers. All right. Uh, Reggie Bass, Kansas State offer. Jalen Blackman, uh, St. Louis offer. Connor Asijian, uh got a D1 offer from Lipscomb. Uh, Langdon Hatton, Milwaukee. Chris Mantis got the California-San Diego offer uh, today. Jackson Paul, Muskegon. Darrell Reed, Alabama State. Joe Reddy got a couple of offers this week from NAIA schools, St. Francis and Madonna. Uh, Kyle Ross got a Drake offer. Kamani Smith, also a NAIA offer from Rio Grande. Uh, Lane Sparks, Huntington. Malik Stanley, a Tampa offer. We're going to touch on Tampa here in a little bit and their right. conference. And their conference. Uh, and then Peter Suter, Bryant offer. Our commitment this week was a, the big one you mentioned, Luke Brown committing to Stetson in Florida. Yeah, that one, that, did that surprise you? Yeah, it really did. Yeah. You know, it's look that it's funny because it, it came on the heels of Tampa offering Malik Stanley and, and all that's just a geography issue because we're going to talk a little bit about the Sunshine State Conference, which is a Division II conference, and how well they recruit Indiana and how attractive that conference is to Indiana kids. And, and it's got to be the, the Florida situation. It's got to be the, the weather, the environment. Yeah. And that's where the sets and stuff comes into play with Luke Brown. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, there were some IU fans that think IU should have been recruiting Luke Brown, you know, and, and when you talk about basketball at that level, you start looking at things of, Anytime you get close to a kid's ceiling, the, the conversation sometimes turns to the things he that he he either can't do at that level or would struggle to do at that level. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that at a different level he's just not a complete and utter steal. At Stetson, he's just a complete and utter steal. Uh, no at doubt. that level. He, yeah. And I I had been like we talked about him earlier. I'd been impressed um, with his defensive ability. Um, but against, you know, against mid, you know, the, the kids he's played so far, most of it's been in-state competition, but it's been kids he doesn't play during the school year. And, but there's been a lot of low D1s and, and a lot of mid D1 players that he's competed against. And, and a lot of those kids are, are um, at least a little, a step quicker, not, not hugely quicker, but, but a step quicker. And he's done very well. His footwork's been good. Um, he's, his, he's added strength over the year, which, you know, is, is natural, but as a late bloomer, that's been a big deal for him is his, just his physical, his, his physical maturation. Um, I was surprised, you know, Stetson's in the Atlantic sun. It is a bottom third conference. So that's in there in the middle of that bottom third. So they are squarely a low major conference. They are definitely a one bid league. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He had offers from the MAC and Missouri Valley schools, so he had bigger offers, and he chose. Um, and it's, this is going to sound critical, but he he chose again a kid that lived in Brownsburg, who went to middle school at Bethesda, 
and 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 there's nothing wrong there with choosing um, you know an academic environment with 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 a religious academic environment but definitely chose in moving to Blackford instead of staying at Bethesda or instead of just going to Brownsburg which is where he lived choosing to be a big fish in a small pond and then here he is again going to Stetson and whether that enters his mind or not is is irrelevant to this discussion, at least to this point, that he it looks like he again chooses to be a big fish in a small pond. Now, of course, our discussion is irrelevant to his decision. Yeah. So um, <laughs> equally irrelevant perspectives there. But, but now I will say this, Donnie Jones, when he was an assistant at Florida, recruited Indiana pretty hard. And he recruited a kid that I coached, Dominic James, uh, glad, graduated in 2005. And he recruited other kids in, in that class. Uh, Armand Bassett was one. But then also, you know, they were involved with Odin and Conley, with, with the class that was a, younger than them. And, and, and they were – Donnie was a guy that I got a chance to get to know. I really liked him. I liked him as an assistant at Florida. Did not um, – I don't follow his career too closely as a head coach. Um but I got to imagine Stetson, in a lot of ways, is a pretty attractive situation uh, to you know to any kid. And it's it's funny because again, with the the Tampa offer to Stanley, is going to be some of the same conversation. It's it's hard for an Indiana kid. Like I've always said, Indiana kids will travel south. Yeah, because of the, and it's mostly because of geography, the weather, and you know it's a, it's a really easy. It's a really easy look than say going north or, or, you know, going south is still drivable for most families. I know sometimes there's there are definitely parts of Florida that can get a, get to be a bit long, but in terms of driving, but but you also consider that for the most part that's the farthest south they will be in their conference game. The rest of their conference games are probably going to be north, or, or or at least of equal distance away. So. Um, you know, there, there's probably a lot of things about Stetson that are attractive just, you know, on, on the surface level, um, you know, without knowing much about their academics. But, um, you know, and but then you look at Donnie Jones, too. He's 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 got a good history of, of coaching kids and, and being in big programs and and being successful in small programs. So, right. Um, I mean, I, mean, yeah, I was surprised also, uh, if, if Josh Smith helped out. With that at all from Monrovia who is there now yeah also. I mean yeah I mean there's no there's no doubt I mean look Donnie like I said he, he he committed he they have he made Indiana a priority for Florida even though they didn't get anybody out of Indiana at least from a scholarship level they didn't get anybody um I don't know if they've had some random walk on down there but but you know, there's there's no question. He's always been, he's always had an eye in Indiana, and yeah. you know, Luke is. Um, I was surprised though. I just, I know that um, he had bigger offers, and but you know, again, sometimes the Mac and Missouri Valley, the, those are one bid leagues still. Um, if the top half, the top half of the middle third. Is typically a multi-bid league, and the Mac and Missouri Valley have been kind of outside that level lately. 
Um, but, um, you know, it was still, um, it, it was, it was still just, I think he had bigger offers to go to and, and, but, you know, again, all this is, is recruiting oftentimes is, is an emotional process. It's as much about fit and feel. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, it, and it's not, qu- and you know, really to sit down and talk with Luke, you, it would be pretty, it would probably be pretty evident to, to figure out what he liked about it. And even if it was, look, I get a chance to go in there and have an opportunity early on to play and play a lot. Um, that's, it's not, that's reasonable. And it's, yeah, it's part of it. There. So I think it just came, kind of came out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that anybody outside of maybe his tight circle there kind of figured that was going to be, I would not have guessed Stetson would have been in the picture, but, um, but, you know, congratulations to Luke, his commitment. Congratulations to Coach Jones for, for landing yet another Indiana kid. And um, I think he's got himself a steal in Luke. And, and oh, definitely. There's no, no, no questioning that. So um, the other topic of conversation that is mostly just because I've had guys go down there in, in the conferences, the, the Florida, the, the Sunshine State Conferences, it's a Division II league. It has produced a couple of national championships, uh, Florida Southern being one of them. And, you know, Malik Stanley from Warren has gotten himself now into, what, two or three Division II offers, um, which I'm sure there's – I mean, there's definitely going to be more. Right now his offers are Fairmont State, Indianapolis, Southern Indiana, Tampa, and Marion. And and four of those are Division II schools. So that's going to be his – his range right now, I think he's a low major guard. Um, but the Sunshine State, just in the last six, seven years, has picked up uh, Patrick Bacon from Lawrence North, who, who went to Tampa, Makai Biffle from Lawrence Central, who went to Tampa, Dwayne Gibson from Park Tudor, who went to Nova Southeastern, Patrick Huffine from Chittard, uh, went to, also went to Nova Southeastern. Uh, after spending a year at Bosco Prep up in uh, north, northwest Indiana. And then Florida Southern snagged three kids out of Indiana, Joey Moreland, Michael Volovic, and Tyler Ross. Tyler Ross is the brother of Kyle Ross, um, who's, as you said earlier, re- re- received an offer from Drake this week. And, you know, I and I know all of those kids pretty well. And – a lot of it, the allure to, to going down there was weather, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was, it, it's a good league. They, they typically, the top half of their league is typically very competitive nationally. So if you're part of that side of it, you know, you're going to be in a good situation basketball wise. Um, I know Tampa has struggled lately, um, but when you look at the success of that league as a whole, throw in the Florida stuff, the, the weather and, and, just things that kids in their teens and 20-somethings, you know, probably consider, you know, more strongly than, than um, you know, than, than, you know, guys that you know, that are our age, maybe. I don't know. I know a lot of people my age that want to live in Florida, so <laughs> I don't. I'd like to visit Florida, but I don't want to live there. But, but that league has recruited Indiana like it's a second home. And I, I bet you'll find outside of the state of Florida – Maybe Georgia. I bet you'll find that the the third most, third or fourth most uh, populous state that represents those teams are from from Indiana, 
on, on a on a yearly basis. And there's usually four or five kids in that league every year that seems like they're from Indiana. And um, now Malik hasn't committed there, but um, we should have looked. I know there's at least four four guys that have offers from Sunshine State schools. Oh yeah, should have looked should have looked that up before we came on the air. But anyway. You can add um, Tyler Smith to that list too. He was at Florida, uh, uh, yeah, Florida Southern for a while. Yeah, he, he was. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Yep. That's a good. That's a good get. He and and Moreland both transferred out, and then Volovic transferred in from Butler. So after a year of walking on at Butler, he transferred down there, and and they won a national championship with him and Tyler Ross, and that was when Link Darner uh, was the head coach there. So. And, you know, and, and Rollins is another school that typically recruits Indiana very hard. And one of their assistants, Brad Ash, was a kid that when he graduated from Anderson Highland, went down and played in the in the early 90s. He's a kid that played for me. Um, they also recruited off another team that I coached, Caleb Springer from Logansport. So Rollins has always been in the picture. And, and I want to say Barry, uh, which is also a school in that league, had um, had um, Andy Fagan as one of their assistant coaches before he came back to be the head coach at Cathedral. So, and they um, just got Nick Anderson. And they yes, they did. Yeah, they did. Good. That's right. Keep at, I keep adding that to list. So they did. They landed Nick Anderson. So, you know, the Sunshine State definitely um, geographically is attractive to kids that don't want to experience winter anymore, or at least during their college years and uh, they've, they've recruited Indiana very hard and, and it's, it's pan, it's worked out for them pretty well. So it's a, it's a great place for them to come and get talent. So um, in fact, uh, Brandon Crone, who's a, the uh, director of basketball operations at Butler was an assistant coach at Nova Southeastern there for a while as well. So there's just always been a lot of Indiana connections in that league. And, and um, so Tampa coming through on, with an offer to Malik Stanley is is good fodder for discussion, especially in a as we are working to get content for uh, for this basketball season. So, um, any other thoughts on the kids uh, on those updated offers this week? Uh, anything anything stand out in your mind? I wish I I need to see Joe Joe Reedy sometime here soon because I've heard a lot of good things about him and how he's playing. This summer, uh, yeah, he is. It's kind of your wheelhouse, right? Because that's yeah, that's over that's, by uh, Fort Wayne. Yeah, but I mean, that's also the Crossroads League, which is yeah, definitely. You know, you know, definitely something of interest for you. Um, the um, his offers so far, class of twenty twenty two, are Indiana Tech, Madonna, and St. Francis, and it, it it it's interesting that more. NAI schools have gotten involved with offers this early, right? Twenty twenty two kids. Yeah, definitely. Um, Caden Bond or Cademan Bontrager. That's hard to say. Got an offer from Grace. Uh, Reedy has the Indiana Tech Madonna St. Francis offers. Andrew Leeper has an Indiana Tech offer. Um, trying to push this up real quick. Of course, Connor Asijian. As Grace, Indiana Tech, Indiana Wesleyan, as well as two Division One offers in Lipscomb and Purdue Fort Wayne, and then yeah. Division Two offers in Indianapolis, Northwood, and Southern Indiana. 
Um, and let's see, that's it, I think. I'm trying to check out some of these kids that have offers. Um, yeah, that's that's it. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty aggressive for those guys. And you know what? We found out Indiana Wesleyan has proven St. Francis to, to almost a similar degree. The more aggressive they are, um, it just increases their odds, and yeah. they've been able to get um, they've been able to capitalize on that. So yeah, and it's going to be important now to get get good good kids coming in with uh, the merger of the divisions as well. Yeah, no doubt. It's yeah for those that don't know, NAIA is broken down it just like the NCAA is into into multiple divisions. They just have two D one D two. All of the Indiana schools, right? Our division two, or have been division two, correct? Well, we they merge now into one division. I'm just saying, but before that, right? Yeah, they before, were all, before that, right? They were all D two. They were all D two. Yeah, and and what what that the difference between those two levels, from a recruiting standpoint or from a talent standpoint, is that a lot of those D ones, a lot of those D one NAI schools got a lot more division one NCAA division one transfers. Yeah, for the for the longest time, and a lot of those kids were kids that just washed out and didn't want to transfer and sit, or kids that maybe got in some trouble academically or or even just in trouble in general, um, and didn't want to sit and, and weren't of the caliber that would go you know into the NBA draft. So right, um, but then Wesleyan Marion. St. Francis, all those schools started getting more and more looks from Division One transfers, and, and they were a little bit more aggressive with it. So, yep, yep. Um, so now there's just one division. Did why did they do that? Did it just, I you know I didn't know there was two divisions until probably a decade ago. So it wasn't like I was on the forefront of that. But why why did we think they they went ahead and just went back to one or went to one division? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was strictly like financial based or or what it was actually. I never asked. Hmm. And and then there's always the rumors of schools like Wesleyan and St. Francis and, and now even a little bit Marion of moving into the NCAA ranks, whether it be Division II or, or you know, even Division I. Um, right. Those plans take time, no different than how Butler has ascended up from, you know, the Horizon League or the MCC to the Horizon League to the A-10, now Big East, but um, and for those that don't know, IUPUI started out as, a, as an NAIA school and for years were the, was the largest NAIA athletics program in the country, um, even though it was largely a commuter school and, and still is largely a commuter school. And then it, when they went to, they moved to NCAA Division II, they were automatic, they were instantly the largest Division II school in the country. Um, at least with an athletics program, and then um, then now they're they're you know about 15 years ago they moved up to Division One ranks, maybe a bit longer than that, maybe in closer to 20, and I think that's what most people just know them as today. Back back when I was a student at IUPUI, we were the IUPUI Metros. Oh, <laughs> and we were a little <laughs> NAI school. We were big NAI school. So, um, but anyway, so. So you have some metro, Any other thoughts? metro gear laying around the house or what? I do. I do not. Oh. I went to one game. Oh. I went to one game and, and 
in basically f- four years. And um, I just spent too much time at high school games. And, and back then, high school games started before college games because back then, non-football schools could play their first games the second weekend in November. So there was really not a whole lot of reason for me to go to a lot of college games other than down to IU, Purdue, and, and to some extent Butler. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, no Metro gear running around here. So uh, um, I was a commuter, so I went to class and I went home. Yep. So that was that was that was basically it. So, any other thoughts on any anything else stand out with this this list? No, I don't think so. Nope. Some good offers for some kids. Yeah, I like the Ross one to Drake is interesting because he's not played. Yeah. You know, and we talked a little bit last week about Manis and Ross playing for Fundamental U out of Chicago, and what a good job Mike Weinstein does of of getting his guys. Uh, Developing, helping his guys get better, as well as um, as well as getting information out to coaches and and for a group of kids that hasn't played, I, I know they have videoed a lot of their workouts, um, but you know the Chicago team they're on a different schedule than we are as far as you know COVA stages, and they've actually been in, in, enlisted in a couple of events where they had to uh, back out because uh, they've had some they've had some um, exposure to the virus within the, within their ranks and, you know, being responsible, they've chosen as a program not to play until they get everybody cleaned up. So, yeah. um, or free and clear of it, not cleaned up, but free and clear of it. So, but so, so kudos to Kyle for getting those looks um, despite not really being, you know, playing. Sometimes they say out of sight, out of mind. Um but in this case, he's he's picked up two or three offers here this this spring and summer. So, um, well, if there's nothing else, our, our next topic is going to be uh, junior our junior all stars this year. Of course, we didn't get to have games, but we still have a number of junior all stars that are that are uncommitted. I don't know how much time we'll spend on this topic, but but we do want to touch on those guys. Um, yeah, you want me to name the off? kids that are committed? Well, yeah, go for it. Let's start with start Core with. Um, you want to go core group? Yeah, definitely. Now? Go, yeah, go go through the names that have. Yeah, go ahead and go through the names of the guys that haven't committed. Okay, so for the core group of the junior all stars, we have Trey Kaufman and Keon Thompson. Uh, then red group, we have Jalen Blackman, uh, Michael Ely, uh, and Christopher Manis, Malik Stanley, and Blake Wesley. And then the final group, the blue group, we have Shamari Vance, uh, Jake Heidebreeder, uh, Cooper Jacoby, and Blake Sisley. Yep. The, the, the kids that have have committed, Brooks Barnheiser is going to Northwestern, Caleb First, Purdue, J.R. Kineski, Notre Dame, Christian Landers already at Indiana as a reclass. That's the core group. Kids off the red group that have already committed, Luke Luke Goody to um, Illinois, um, Luke Brown, of course, to Stetson, and then the blue group, Lincoln Hales committed to Indiana State, Connor Hickman's committed to Bradley, and then Pierce Thomas has committed to Butler. So, um, any, any, uh, any, what direction do you want to go? We, we probably won't go in depth with all these guys, but any, uh, any direction you want to go with some of these kids that are uncommitted? 
Uh, you and I kind of talked Trey Kaufman earlier today. Yep. Uh, getting the Good. Indiana feel. Yeah, I, I, most a lot, a lot of people feel that Indiana's in good shape with him. Um, he is the one thing that I've liked about seeing him this year, and I've not seen all these guys play, is how much more fluid his skill set looks on the perimeter. His his jump shot looks more fluid. Um, he, he's able to get downhill a little bit better. Um, he still struggles stopping. And, you know, and, and making the decision, it's it's mostly the stopping part, not the decision part. But, you know, and a lot of that's just center of gravity stuff. You know, he's 6'9", and he's attacking off the dribble, and he's trying to stop and make the next read. And, and sometimes it's just hard to get, get your body to stop. If you're, you know, as good a shape as some of these kids are, they're still, they're still teenagers. Their core isn't as developed as what it's going to be. But he has looked awfully good, and he is definitely earning – in my mind, I had him as the number one prospect in the class. Yeah. Um, even ahead of first, even ahead of Lander. I know when he and first went head to head, first kind of owned him a little bit. And then Cooper Jacoby kind of owned first. <laughs> that, so what, who's to know what to make of that? Um, but then Kaufman came in the second half of that game and, and played awfully well. He battled the foul trouble in the first half. So. You you've seen Keon Thompson the most, and I know we've talked about him, but let's let's refresh everybody's mind of what your views on him are. Yeah, uh, Keon can shoot the ball. Loves getting down down the court with the ball. He'll rebound well, attacks the rim. He, he's an all around good player. Great size for his position. Also, uh, he might be in the same position as Mantis though, and I'm not sure he's played any games this summer because Keon's last I knew he was with Mean Streets. Yeah. And I, I know they have looked at finding a new spot for him. And I don't, you know, AAU team changing rumors isn't nearly as juicy as transfer transfers and transfer rumors. But but Coach Patton has looked around to find him a spot, and and it's tough because there's no question he's talented. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of these te- a lot of these teams are set in a, in a class that's got a lot of good talent, a lot of good guards. Um. It's been tough for guys to justify um, adding another piece of a kid that's going to want to play a lot and want to, you know, have be a pretty high usage guy. So, um, Manus, the, the the Division Two offer was interesting. The, the the Cal San Diego offer. Now, actually, they they moved into the Big West, didn't they? I'm not sure about that one. Not up to date on my. I think that was Cal San Diego stuff. It's, <laughs> we were trying to figure out if they were if that was San Diego or Cal San Diego. They're Cal San Diego, and they're and they had just recently moved into the Big West. I don't know if it was this year or a year ago. Um, actually, I don't know how recent it was, but but one of my searches came up that it was a Division two school, but now they show that they're in the Big West. And um, you know, the one thing that most that a lot of people don't know about Chris is his dad, his biological father, lives in California. And he still has a good relationship with him. So, so if you see a lot of some West Coast schools kind of jump up and get get involved with Manus, that's probably why. And um, I mean, that's not probably why, but it's probably why they might feel like he he would be interested in playing for them because, um, you know, it's not a bad talk about geography. That's not a bad place to be yeah. at least normally. Um, 
So that Cal San Diego offer. And then, of course, Manis is recruiting. You know, he's got – what's he up to now? Let's try to find his stuff here. He's probably close to 15. Um, 15 offers. be nice if I could find him. Here we go. be nice if I knew what a small forward was. Appalachian State, Ball State. I'm just going to name Division yep. One schools right now. Appalachian State, Ball State, Drake, Florida International. Illinois, Chicago, Incarnate Word, Milwaukee, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Rhode Island, Toledo, and Valpo. So right now, what? Rhode Island's his biggest offer, um, yeah, right? A-10, multi-bid league. Missouri Valley schools in, in the mix. Couple uh, with Valpo. A couple Mac schools. So that's a pretty good representation um, of a kid that still has a lot of physical maturation to go through. Um, you know, again, any of those schools get him right now. They, they again, end up getting a kid that's, that's, that ends up being a steal. Yeah. Um, and he made a comment the other day on Twitter about something about deciding. I thought I saw. Did he? So he's getting close. So I think he might be getting close. We'll see though. Um, Ely. Again, it's transferred to the elevation, the new prep school in Fort Wayne, Elevation Prep. Kind of a guinea pig in that regard. His offers Ball State, Evansville, IUPUI, Miami of Ohio. I got to believe his offer list will grow. I would think so also. Um, he's got a lot of physical tools, strength, athleticism. I think he needs to do a better job of finding teammates off the dribble. Um. You know, he is really good in transition. It's the half-court stuff that I think he dribbles himself into some trouble. Um, but he also has the athleticism and strength to get through there and finish and, and get fouled and get to the line. And I was really impressed with his his, his athleticism. And I liked it. I really liked how he shot the ball last time I saw him play, which was a couple weeks ago. So um, Stanley, we've kind of already talked about. Uh, Blake Wesley, you know, he is what he, what happened? So the other day he narrowed his list, right? Well, he's, he's going to, he announced he's going to narrow it. To, yeah. And then picked up three more offers. Right. <laughs> so like he, almost right away. It was almost like, Oh crap, we need to get involved. He's going to narrow his list. So I'm guessing some of those of August, he said. So I'm guessing some of those schools aren't <laughs> the schools that just kind of jumped in probably aren't going to. Yeah. You know, get get too much favor. You know, but look, so Ball State's offered him Butler, Cincinnati, Creighton, DePaul, Grand Canyon, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Iowa. Of course, Grand Canyon was one of those ones, right, that just came in, like, recently? Uh, Yeah, they were well, they last week, I believe. Was it? Okay. Or the so week not before. since. No, they were ahead of the – Illinois, Indiana, ahead of the ahead of the decision. Ahead of the cut week, yeah. So, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisville, Miami of Ohio, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Purdue, Texas, Toledo, Wichita State, Xavier. So, basically, half the Big Ten. Um, got a little bit of Big East representation there. You've got some um, – you've got that All-American – The what, what's the AAC with Cincinnati? Yeah. Memphis, Houston, all those guys. Um ACC schools ACC, in Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, and then 
Wichita State's the same conference as, as um, Cincinnati. Um, and then you've got some MAC schools that are in, and some Missouri Valley schools that are involved. Wait, any Missouri Valley? All MAC, right? The, the, the mids are Ball State. Yeah, Miami, Grand Ohio. Grand Canyon. DePaul. Miami of Ohio. DePaul. Uh, yeah, DePaul. <laughs> They're in the Big East, but they probably are a mid-major program. So, yeah, we're going to get a phone call on that one, but that's all right. Um, so, I mean, Wesley's basically – I mean, he's he's gotten to a point where he's in control of the rest of his recruiting. And I think most of these schools – and I know, I know Indiana's on a couple of kids that if they commit, probably will drop Blake off their list. I think a lot of people feel Notre Dame's in good shape with him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, so, um, Avance's offers, IUPUI, Miami of Ohio, Tennessee Martin. So those are all three good Division One offers. Um, Miami of Ohio is is probably the best of the three in terms of Mid-major, low-major, that you know, in terms of conference affiliation, um, and then Hyda Breeder has offers from Furman, Indiana State, Lipscomb, Navy, Vermont. I'd be curious. I I need to look to see when that Indiana State offer came. And, and as much as I chit chat with his dad, I should be an easy question. If it came after Lincoln Hale committed or not so that that indiana state offer may kind of be up in the air um what cooper jacoby uh let's see where are we at with him he's got akron ball state bellarmine iupui indiana state lasalle miami of ohio and southern illinois edwardsville so basically he's got a nice mac contingency yep along with indiana state uh, ohio valley school and um, LaSalle, and then, of course, Bellarmine's Division Two. He's going to be a Division One kid. Um, I thought Bellarmine switched then, to Division One, didn't they? Oh, they did. Yeah, they are doing yeah. that, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and then Sicily, a nice long list of schools, Austin P, Evansville, Holy Cross, IUPUI, Illinois, Chicago, Incarnate Word, Lipscomb. Milwaukee, Samford, SIU, Edwardsville, Southern Indiana, Wright State. So again, pretty much all Division One schools except for Southern Indiana. Um, you know, with them and the Evansville offer, I think is is, is pretty solid, regardless of their coaching situation. I mean, regardless of the, the coaching change since last year. Um, and then um, it just seems like Lipscomb's in the mix with a lot of these kids, yeah, which they sure. should be. Yeah. Because Nashville's not that far of a drive. It's a nice great location. Yep. Yeah, Brentwood's a great, great location. When they were in NAIA school, they had Don Myers, their head coach, who's a big-time motion guy. And we would go down there every year for his annual clinic. And usually we would combine it with a trip over to Tennessee to watch practices. So it was, it was usually kind of a nice three- or four-day deal. And uh, Lipscomb, the Brentwood area, is just it's fabulous. And and um, so as they moved up the ranks from NAIA to Division I, um, you know, again, geographically, the Nashville's warmer than here. 
<laughs> winter starts a little later, ends yeah. a little sooner. Yep. Um, but then that just that whole area is really is really nice. It's it's affluent. You know, it's got some niceties and some definitely some upscale things and and it's a, and Lipscomb's a good education too. So so Sisley's got himself a nice nice block of offers. Did I say right state? Uh, with him, you? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know that I did. So that's the that was the last one alphabetically. So it was right state. So any of those guys stand out in terms of what you've seen or not seen? Uh, the one guy you didn't mention yet, Jalen Blackman, is the I think most intri- oh, yes. yeah. most intriguing one to me, just because of being out last year with ACL t- mid season and then getting to play now this summer. So I mean, and he looked good. Yeah, he looked good last week. He got that Grand Canyon offer recently, and then just St. Louis. So I think we're going to start seeing some stuff roll in for him. You like that Grand Canyon offer? I love that Grand Canyon offer. You do, yeah, no doubt. I can um, see him and see him and Blake Wesley teaming up out there. <laughs> <laughs> Houston's his biggest offer. Yeah, and and again, that's conference affiliation. Um, you know, and Calvin Sampson, look, Calvin can flat out coach. You know, he did on the court. He was really good for Indiana off the court. He was a disaster. Of course, some of the rules he violated were no longer rules. So some people will question uh, how fair some of that stuff was. But, but at the same time, um, he had some interesting characters in at IU, regardless of NCAA rules or not. But, but uh, yeah, I, I was impressed last week with Blackman. I, first of all, it was nice to see him be healthy. I, I know we, I think we touched on it last week. All three brothers, uh, James and BJ, all they, they all three have torn ACL, so that family is used to it. I I asked James Senior if, if he had tore his ACL, and he knocked on wood and said no. <laughs> he, he goes, but he's you know he's still pretty active, so he's worried. You know, he doesn't want to actually do it. Of course, that was at a time when you didn't know what an ACL was. You just they didn't know how to find it. They didn't have MRIs. Um, I had a friend that I went to high school with that played at Carmel. We went to college. We went. We roomed together at IU, and he had he had to wear this big bulky knee brace because they didn't back then. You just didn't repair ACLs. They, they called it a trick knee. Like sometimes they they just they didn't have MRI, MRI technology, and unless you scoped a kid or unless you scoped somebody. You just didn't know, and, and they they did no surgery. They basically treated it like um, like a sprain and, and put him in this huge brace. Yeah, and um, jeez, you know, you didn't start hearing a lot about ACLs until until the MR until MRI started really hit. Uh, you know, hit normal normal medicine for people. You know, normal, you know, MRIs were things that pros got, nobody else. So. It, kid like the guy that I roomed with at college and went to high school with was kind of SOL and um but the Blackman family knows a lot about ACLs so uh but he's he's you know he looked good uh his his release is smooth it's quick um I, I liked his, I liked him defensively um he is a little more willing defender than James was at that age and and probably a little bit more able than what BJ was, um, you know, and, and um, 
you know, Jalen is going to have a chance to have a big time senior year and, and, and put up some huge numbers. And, and I, it'll be interesting to see if he commits early. I don't, I think he is definitely a solidly a, a, a good mid major guard who happens to also be a high major shooter. So yeah. there might be some, and that's where the Houston offer comes into play. They're taking a chance that they can get a kid like that and maybe match him up with maybe a bigger point guard or something that, you know, where they can cross match defensively. And, but he definitely is a high major shooter. And, and a lot of the same discussions with him is the same with Luke Brown is, you know, you just wonder physically where he fits into which, which type of conference. And, yeah. but I think his offers are pretty good, pretty good for his, um, for his, for what his abilities are right now. And he'll have his, senior year maybe if he if he waits the spring his senior year to to show even more so any uh anything else catch your eye on these on these lists um i think that was about it i still need to see uh cooper jacoby play this summer if i can yeah. run out of he's, time he's one of my favorites he's just a high motor kid and he he's sees the floor well at six 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 seven his shot's gotten better um, you know, and he is a, um, he's just a hardworking kid. And I, I just love the way he plays his blue collar and, and he's doesn't take crap from anybody. So there's, there's definitely something about that. So, uh, so what's, what's going on in the Tyler family this week? What's besides getting ready for school? What's any, any big happenings, anything to promote? Um, you know what? It's going to be a pretty, pretty low key week up here. I think for once. Just kind of relaxing, getting ready to get back to the grind here and see what ends up with school. Yeah, I get that. After And after three weeks of playing basketball, we've got a week off, and, and we're basically giving the kids the whole week off. And and it's it's different. You know, these guys are into August now. We're, I mean, by the end of the week, we're going to be into August. Yeah, it's crazy. So these dudes are still doing their school workouts. And um, – you know, it's it's strange not being allowed to go into the high school and watch workouts. Yeah. Um, and that's just the, the environment that we're in. So, because um, I, I would love nothing more to take a morning, go over and watch, watch our workouts. But they're basically keeping schools at essential personnel. Yep. And, um, yep. You know, so, but it's good that they're getting in there. I, I'm... I know a lot of our guys are are doing their school team stuff, and and it's it, they're not allowed to do as much as what we're allowed to do in the summer. So it, it's kind of strange in that regard. Um, kids that play competitive AAU are almost held back by what the state has to have the the schools do because of liability issues. So you know these are. Um, you know, meanwhile, we're we're playing, we're practicing, and and we're we're monitoring. We had a kid today miss. Told him to stay home because he was feeling nauseous, and just any little hint of a of a symptom, any any of the symptoms. Oh yeah, we're basically telling our guys to stay home. Yep. And he was fine by lunch, so he was good. Um, but completely uh, in agreement with the parent, stay home. Um it's a little easier to make those decisions when we don't have a dozen college coaches watching us play. 
or dozens of college coaches watching us play, whatever yeah. that number ends up being. But, <laughs> but um, uh, it, there was there was no problem with that family staying home. So basically, you know, we're we're putting we're getting out there, but we're we're being as vigilant as possible, and everybody's wearing masks. So um, I, I love what the factory's doing on the west side. We walk into that facility; you have to have a mask on to get in. They have temperature. They have uh, thermometers, digital thermometers mounted on the wall and you stick your forehead in front of it and you get an instant reading. And if you're below a certain number, you're allowed in. If not, they even, they give you a couple more chances to, to uh, <laughs> get a measurement. And if you're, because you know, sometimes I got to wait out. Back on your head. Well, no, sometimes we have to wait <laughs> outside to get in. Oh yeah. So you're hot. Yeah. And so they, they, you know, there is a chance that it might impact you by maybe one or two tenths of a degree. Um, not that anybody cares. I roll in a little cold, so I'm usually like right around 97 too. So, uh, I, I've got some room to play with. Um, but yeah, there's, there was a guy that was like 97, eight, 90 or 98 point, I'm sorry, 99.8 and they wouldn't let him in. Yeah. And it was beyond their threshold. I don't know what the threshold was. I think it's the threshold was, was 99.6 and anything above that, their little alarm goes off on the device and they don't let them in good for so, them and three three such measurements they basically don't let you in at all so um so we've, we've been in what i would say is vigilant environments i'm not saying we would be in careful of violent environments but we've been in vigilant environments yeah so yeah and, and now we've got a, we've got a couple of weeks off before our next event and we're doing something that we've never done, which is play in August. So we have two events in August. So that's what a lot of teams had to look forward to is, is playing multiple events this upcoming month and, and, um, you know, and see what happens with school season. So, um, and that brings me to one thing to plug. We are getting, we're going to pick up a couple of advertisers. This, this week's going to be a pretty obvious one. Full disclosure. This is one of my, this is my event. Uh, the Metro Indy Basketball Fall League uh, tomorrow will be uh, sending out information to register for the uh, the 14th annual event. Uh, it's, it's it's all October. October starts October 11th, so it's all four four Sundays: October 11th, 18th, 25th, and November 1st. And um, every year we have anywhere from 32 to 38 teams. And we, we get most of the top kids from central Indiana. And we also get kids from uh, northern Indiana, mostly northern Indiana, uh, and, and a lot of the top kids in the state. So have uh, had a good run with it and looking forward to getting that started. But uh, we will send out information Monday. So by the time you listen to this, information will have already been put out for the, this year's league. But you can check it out at MetroIndieBasketball.com. And that's where you can register and, and get more information on the league. So anything else going on before we wrap it up? Nope. I think that's it. Well, episode 22 is in the book. Zach, as always, we're under an hour, my man. Yeah. Not bad. And for those of you that are listening every week, we appreciate it. And we look forward to next week's Courtside Indiana podcast. <laughs> <laughs>